0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Real Ramblin'. My name is Chris Jovanovic, and on this episode, you're going to hear me complain, uh, you'll hear me analyze, you're going to hear me enjoy the nonsense, and you may even get some green advice from yours truly. It's all focused on celebrating the big blue marble that we all live on, this thing called Earth. Earth Day was already a couple of weeks ago now, we know that, it was, uh, what, Friday? Friday, April 22nd. Did you remember to do something to celebrate? Or did you kind of miss it like I did? Uh, I know Earth Day always seems to sneak up on me, you know? But in my defense, do we really need an Earth Day specifically? Shouldn't we try to acknowledge and take care of this beautiful planet every day? I don't know. That's what I try to do anyway. Uh, But I did see some pictures online of people, uh, you know, planting trees or doing community outdoor projects. And I thought, that's nice. Uh, But I didn't really do any kind of... Uh, celebration on, on actual Earth Day. I celebrated Star Wars Day th- this past week, but nothing for Earth Day. Uh, what does that say about me? Probably nothing good. Well, what do I know? Uh, what, actually, what I do know is that you do not want to forget about Mother's Day tomorrow. Thank you, moms everywhere, for the uh, just the endless amount of work that you put into life. <laughs> Big celebrations all around tomorrow, everyone. I want nothing less for our our mothers and our wives. Thank you, thank you. Um, I I know actually two things that we would uh, not be here without, and that is earth and mothers. Uh, One thing I did do on Earth Day was I wished everyone a happy Earth Day. a couple weeks ago on social media, and then I posted a question in connection with one of my favorite topics, which, of course, is movies. I simply asked, uh, what is your favorite movie about Earth? And I received a few responses. All great responses, by the way. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, everyone. Um, I found the question actually to be perhaps more interesting and tricky than one may first assume, because if you put too much thought into it, like I tend to do, Uh, You could approach this question from several different angles. For example, someone could have answered uh, Planet of the Apes because they love watching a story about what would happen if Earth was ruled by apes many years in the future. Spoiler for Planet of the Apes 1968. Sorry. Uh, Someone else, on the other hand, may have answered Journey to the Center of the Earth because they love thinking maybe about what it would be like to journey to the center of the Earth with Brendan Fraser. Boy, that sounds like a great time. Love that, Brendan Fraser. My point is, because Earth is so vast, uh, and we care about it so much, the amount of movies about exploring, caring for, or saving it are just as vast. Um, A lot of the films I immediately think of when it comes to stories about Earth happen to be disaster-type films. Uh, Titles like uh, The Day After Tomorrow, or War War of the Worlds, or even World. Okay, that last one is not exactly about disaster, but it is a disaster, so it works. (laughs) Uh, So what did the people say with this question? Like I mentioned before, some fun responses came in from friends and from family. Thanks to Katie, Vicky, Sam, and Dana for chiming in with favorites, including Gravity, um, Around the World in 80 Days, E.T., yes, and The Lord of the Rings with that last title, Lord of the Rings, of course, referring to Middle-earth, which, as we all know, is really just Earth's fantastical cousin. These great responses got me to thinking about uh, one of the all-time best movies that we love to hate, Battlefield Earth. Oscar-worthy John Travolta performance. Anyway, as I like to do often on this uh, movie discussion podcast of mine, I am going to discuss two movies in particular that I viewed recently, no, Battlefield Earth is not one of them. I'm sorry, it's the other one. Kidding, I would not do that to you. But although neither of these movies I'm going to talk about are my favorite movie about Earth, both kind of share a similar uh, theme of I don't know uh, urgency and impending doom, which ultimately I think are supposed to uh, spark the viewer to to hopefully appreciate this home that we all share. So the first of the two is one that I have seen a handful of times and then the second is one that I've never watched before. So I'm glad that I'm kind of bringing you some some good variety in my reflection and rambling. All right, ready? Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, before there was Batfleck, before there was Arwen, and before there was retirement, there was Armageddon. <laughs> Uh, starring Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, and Bruce Willis in the prominent roles, they are supported by a slew of big names, including Billy Bob Thornton, Steve Buscemi, Will Patton, Michael Clark Duncan, William Fickner, Owen Wilson, and the list goes on and on. This film is directed by none other than Mr. Michael Bay, who has brought you other well-known explosions, such as The Rock, Pearl Harbor, Transformers, all of them, and just this year, um, a movie called *Ambulance*, which I heard was pretty good. I, I've not seen it yet, uh, but just in case anyone forgot that Michael Bay directed *Armageddon*, his name appears before the title in the opening. And then, just in case by this point you you still had doubts uh, about whether or not Michael Bay directed the film, the title in the beginning of the movie, the title literally spontaneously explodes. <laughs> When I saw that, oh, man. Uh, I was watching it, and when I saw this, and my wife can testify. She was sitting right next to me while I was watching. I I literally laughed out loud and said, this is going to be so great. Uh, It's a simple plot for this movie, and I like that. Uh, It's one of the items in the win column, for sure, uh, for Armageddon. I like that I don't have to think too hard. It's not that kind of movie. Uh, Even though I, I do love thinking movies as well, as I've mentioned before, but... Um, This is just one of those turn-off-your-brain movies, sort of, and I like that. So the basic premise is established right in the beginning, so you don't have to wait very long. The narrator in the opening sequence says, Millions of years ago, an asteroid hit the Earth. It happened once, and it will happen again. And guess what? It does. Yay, we have a story. (laughs) And the movie wastes no time uh, getting to the action. Space rocks begin hurtling towards the planet, blowing things up upon impact. Um, I wrote down in my notes that uh, let's see, by by the nine minute, 30 second mark, the, the Chrysler building in New York City is crashing down on top of people. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's getting serious when a famous building is falling on you. And meanwhile, Billy Bob is taking command at NASA. He's got his eyes in the sky um, and reporting from the ground, really, working with NASA. And he's there basically to, uh, he's kind of like the vehicle to help guide the audience along. And he's a seasoned actor, uh, even with this being about the middle-ish uh, of his film career. So I was able to take him seriously as the, you know, take charge sort of role, and he does it well. Uh, in fact, even before I wrap up thoughts on the movie overall, I'm going to go ahead and say that if if not for Billy Bob Thornton and Steve Buscemi, this movie would be dead on arrival. That That could seem kind of harsh, but that's just... My overall opinion on it after watching it again, after uh, not watching it for a span of, I don't know, 20 years or so, um, I remember two main things. I remember the ending, and I remember Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. <laughs> so after watching it for so many years again, um, it was kind of fun to do that, go back and re-watch it. Really, it's like I noticed that Steve Buscemi is great, Billy Bob Thornton you know is is doing his thing he's great and then i remember the ending again like that's what still sticks out of my mind <laughs> so anyway uh Steve Buscemi Bob Thornton Billy Bob they're doing great and uh there's a great scene early on uh where Thornton shines it's uh it's in like the NASA boardroom sort of so NASA's still trying to figure out exactly what earth is up against with this asteroid and a bunch of smart guys in suits are sitting around the boardroom table right one of them, he's as sweaty as anything. He's just spewing a bunch of scientific data. And uh, Dan Truman, that's Mr. Thornton's character, just interrupts him and says, can we get someone who's had a little less caffeine today? It, <laughs> it made me chuckle. Uh, I thought it was an example of one of those just, you know, like good comedic dialogue lines that's been well-written and delivered in terms of the the comedic timing of it. I thought that was good. I enjoyed it. Um the B-plot of this movie is horrible. It, it focuses on uh, Liv Tyler's character, Gracie, the daughter of Bruce Willis's character, Harry Stamper, who's sort of the main character. And Gracie, she's in a relationship with one of Harry's best men on the oil rig. Uh, that happens to be Ben Affleck's character, AJ. Oh, the 90-isms of this movie. Um, AJ is certainly on that list. As is uh, Aerosmith and Bruce Willis, and uh, actually the R word, uh, the term retard, I I was uh, a little bit shocked. It's kind of, again, like it, that's one of those 90-isms where I'm not uh, excusing it. I'm not saying, oh, well, back then it just seemed normal, like it shouldn't have, but for some reason it did. Like you watched this movie or any other movie that used that word then, and, and um, I don't know. I guess growing up, like I didn't view it in the same way all that is to say uh, when i heard the word in the movie it was like whoa uh it it definitely sticks out like a huge sore thumb now um what other 90s isms were uh were in here oh (laughs) yeah another one i wrote down was the uh the president's speech was actually quite good when it gets to that point in the story quite moving um and, you know, we don't see that happen a whole lot anymore. So that, I don't know if that's a 90s-ism or like a, a long time ago-ism. But anyway, um, B-plot, not a great B-plot. It's the relationship. It's the family drama, which ensues from pretty early on in the movie, along with some of the worst dialogue uh, in the scene on the oil rig that that's supposed to establish this whole love story subplot. And I get that a love story establishes higher stakes later on in the story here. But the angry father protesting daughter trope just came off as really cheesy, uh, poorly acted and out of place with like the rest of the pacing in the film. So not something that I feel like uh, holds up on, on watching it nowadays. Other scattered thoughts and or complaints from me with Armageddon. Everything, and I mean everything, is explained out loud. Uh, by the first scene of of Bruce Willis on screen it's understood that that he's the world's you know best uh, deep core driller and that Truman's plan is to drill a hole in this approaching asteroid to drop a bomb into it and blow it up right and and yet <laughs> Harry still asks Bruce Willis's character still asks so why me like like we need it spelled out <laughs> uh, nevertheless Truman explains exactly what Harry needs to do they look at the drill uh, that's going to be used on said mission, and NASA says something like, you might recognize it, uh, to which Harry Stamper replies, well, I ought to. I designed it. Uh, not uh, None of this is necessary, but thank you. Uh, let's see. Over on the plus side of things, there are some great lines sprinkled throughout this movie, uh, without a doubt. I love when the FBI is rounding up Harry's team for the mission, um, and when they get to Rock Hound, that's uh, Steve Buscemi's character, they try to ask him to come with them and he's not interested. And then one of the agents uh, says, we have a national security matter. And Buscemi replies with a quick, good for you. <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis takes the patriotic Goosebumps Award for his rousing speech to his crew, which ends with the United States government just asked us to save the world. Anybody want to say no? Wow. How can he say no after that? right? And I'm not being sarcastic on that one, by the way. I, I really think it that line successfully rode the line between cheesy and impactful. It was cheesy, yeah, but it stuck with me. Um, I like when the guys are going through their pre-mission physical performance assessment, and uh, one of the doctors is examining Bear's chart. Bear is a character played by Michael Clark Duncan. He's a big guy. The doctor says, looks at the chart and says, wow, your bad cholesterol is shockingly bad. <laughs> I don't I don't know why that was so funny to me, but I like that a, a minor character uh got such a, a standout line. And then finally, near the climax of the story, uh AJ is about to, to jump the asteroid canyon with uh the armadillo that's in that big like armored utility vehicle. Uh the armadillo he he turns to ask his co-pilot, you ever hear of Evil Knievel? And his co-pilot is the Russian cosmonaut played wonderfully by uh, Peter Stormare. I think I'm saying his name correctly. Anyway, he replies with, no, I've never seen Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so some some fun back and forth, some fun beats there. Uh, lastly, this is kind of the, my last thought on Armageddon. It's just shy of three hours, but surprisingly, it didn't feel like it. Didn't feel that long. I mean... It's pretty awful for the most part, in my opinion. I think I've made that clear. Uh, but it's busy. So I kept thinking, like, what an odd contrast to Interstellar, the movie that I'm constantly talking about. Um, I love Interstellar. And it's about the same runtime. And it even has slower moving sections, Interstellar. Yet the quality of these two is like night and day difference. But is that is that a fair comparison? Uh, absolutely not. All right. So now I'm going to talk about another one that I've just watched recently and for the very first time. It's called Melancholia. Melancholia is an interesting title. Um, What a perfect title it is, I think. Because if I had never known the title of this film and someone asked me to describe it using only one word, guess which one I would choose? Yeah, melancholy. Wow. Uh, If you Google the term melancholy, (laughs) you will get a definition along the lines of pensive sadness with no obvious cause. And my thoughts exactly, that's pretty much this movie. Um, This movie is so depressed and I I feel like unnecessarily so. Uh, Yes, the main character, uh, Justine is the main character, played by uh, Kirsten Dunst. The main character is supposed to have some kind of uh, social or emotional disorder, it seems. But the story, I don't feel like explained or went into that in depth very well it just goes from her seeming to be really happy happily married um it's like at their wedding is is okay so there's a really weird opening to the movie and then it like drops you in the story and once you're dropped in the story they're at their wedding and she seems super happy and then all of a sudden in a span of about five minutes like she's not happily married um i don't know i that was a, a tough transition for me to grasp. And then she spirals into this deep depression and her sister, Claire, played by uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Gainsbourg. Uh, anyway, she takes her in and, and tries to help. And then it's not until, oh, the, the third act of the movie, really, that the title and this like ominous feeling that you've had the whole time watching it really begins to make sense. Uh, The the story shifts, and as the planet Melancholia approaches, the sister, Claire, begins to uh, experience immense fear and anxiety, and you feel that. I mean, she she acts it out well. Um, And it's at this point that Justine has to sort of become the strong one and comfort her sister and nephew in the midst of their, really, like, their inevitable obliteration. Um, Speaking of that, Man, the, the last 15 to 20 minutes of this film are incredible. I have to give credit where it's due. Uh, the special effects of the point of impact at the very end, combined with the score ramping up, leading up to that, and then the emotional weight of like the chi- a child being involved, it does all really pack a punch. Um, and, and there's two great scenes I could think of. I wrote down some in my notes. There's some great scenes that lead up to the very eventful ending, Um, So the first involves a realization that that, uh, the sister Claire has that, like, you know, they are actually doomed. Um, So basically, her husband was lying about this planet for, like, the whole second half of the movie. Um, Her husband, John, played by Kiefer Sutherland, tells her that there is nothing to worry about. This planet is simply going to move past Earth and be on its merry way. Uh, So it will get close, but no impact, right? Well, their son ends up making this device out of household items because the family's kind of been tracking it and talking about it. So the son makes this device. You hold the device up to your chest and point it up at the sky, and there's like these wires that have been bent into circles, and that circle wire will then show you whether that incoming planet is closer or further, right? If it's outside of the wires, obviously it's larger, it's closer, if it's inside, then it's farther away. So anyway, excuse my rambling to uh, set up the scene there. But so Claire uh, raises the tool in this scene after checking previously with a good result, like it seemed like the planet was on its way out. Um, and when she checks again, the planet is like completely outside of the wire circle thingy, meaning it is in fact going to collide with Earth. And this is when she just snaps, and you feel the dread. And then this leads to another great scene in which uh, Claire offers, once she knows, she's just like, well, what am I going to do Like with the rest of my, I don't know, four hours of life or something? She goes and s- talks with Justine, her sister, offers to like sit out on the porch and just have a glass of wine uh, while they await their fate. And Justine then basically says, uh, no, your plan is garbage. <laughs> I'll take it from here. And then she finds her nephew, uh, Claire's son, and and builds with him this imaginary impenetrable cave out of sticks. It it's something that he had been asking Aunt Justine to do the whole movie and she kept saying no, no or like ignoring him and then she finally decides to do this with him and that's uh where all three of them end up sitting at uh, at the very end. It it's really heartbreaking and chilling. Yes, but I did like that it kind of provided for this turnaround opportunity of Kirsten Dunst's character. And through that, I think it allowed for some well-delivered lines, um, as well as growth for the character of of Justine. So overall, I mean, uh, 2011's Melancholia, directed by uh, Lars von Trier. Would I recommend it? Uh, I I want to say both no and yes. Um, The opening sequence... I briefly mentioned before, it is weird, and yet it's interesting, especially as you you come to find out that it foreshadows the end of the film. And the ending, as I've mentioned, is very well done. So the first two-thirds of actual story, though, like the middle chunk, it's just weird. It's long and boring. And if you could, like, Frankenstein this thing and take out the middle, then I think you have a pretty cool movie overall. So I don't know. Watch it. Let me know what you think. Uh, But let me kind of drop in my final verdicts here with going back to Armageddon. I'm going to give it my three out of four reels, uh, only because of the iconic sacrifice at the end and for some of the classic Buscemi lines and moments. That's where it's getting the the three instead of the two, honestly. Um, Watch this one if you have never before, and then if you decide to never watch it again after that, I would not blame you at all. (laughs) Uh, Melancholia, on the other hand, I'm going to go ahead and give two out of four reels, um, as I do not think this movie was able to fully deliver an enjoyable or even interesting story from beginning to end. Um, really, you, you get there kind of in the final act, but with the bleak ending and everything, it just didn't seem worth it when all was, was said and done. Um, watch this one again and let me know what you think. Uh, be aware of the rating. Don't watch it with the kids. Uh, But either way, you know, despite how I feel about the uh, entertainment value of these two terrestrial case studies in film, uh, there's an important theme at work here, I think, and that's, you know, be grateful for the planet we live on uh, and for the people we share it with, work together, help each other, peacefully talk out differences and find ways to take care of this world because it's the only one we have in life. Also, don't forget to tip your scientists and astrophysicists. Uh, They may just end up saving us from a giant space rock someday. And speaking of which, I put out kind of another fun question uh, recently, and I'll talk about some answers, including my own on this. Uh, The question was, so this is where I'm going to end here before signing off. Fun question. If you had one week left on Earth before it's destroyed, like maybe in one of these disaster films, uh, what three things would you do in that amount of time that you have? Uh, so I'll first read a couple of the ones, responses that came in on social media. Uh, one, I saw giving my life to God. And hey, uh, you're not alone in that. I'm sure that would be many people's answers. You know, kind of getting right with God, like making sure you're okay. Uh, maybe learning about what there is after life if you don't know anything about that. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's a great answer. Uh, another one I saw was quitting my job and going on an epic hike. <laughs> And I love that. Yeah, I for me, like quitting my job, uh, or maybe for a lot of people that that would have been like an automatic. So is it cheating to leave it out of the three? If you're already assumed (laughs) that you're going to do that? Um, Anyway, yeah, but but very, again, realistic, uh, common answer, if I could speak for more people than just myself. Um, And that epic hike? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be something epic, right? So my list, these, these are the three things that I would do with one week left on earth. Number one, I would take my family to an amazing destination. We're talking like Iceland or Hawaii or Japan, somewhere really different and exciting that I've never been to before. Um, and that, that family uh, vacation can include an epic hike. So there we go. Uh, I would also, you know, have one more special evening with my wife. I'll keep it PG there, but, uh. Yes, it would include candlelight dinner. Um, and finally, uh, doing some kind of extreme, life-threatening, adrenaline rush kind of thing. Like rock, I don't know, rock climbing, skydiving, running of the bowls, whatever. My thought process there really is like, it's, it's a no-lose situation, right? If you die doing one of those things, well, you only had a couple days left anyway. And if not, you get to enjoy it and talk about it until everything's over a few days later. Hopefully you're not feeling uh, depressed after <laughs> this this uh, discussion about uh, Earth and disasters today. Um, my point really was was a, a different kind of intention. I, I want to go in the opposite direction and help us to be grateful for the place we live and to live every day like the world could end, right? And I'm not talking about like doing things that are really stupid or dangerous or illegal. Um <laughs> but living life to the fullest responsibly. So hopefully uh, the last question, the last bit there encouraged you all to to be thinking about that. And uh, the two movies I talked about a little bit in depth, Armageddon, Melancholia, give them a chance if you haven't already. Let me know what you think. Keep the conversation going. But um, that is it for this episode. And thanks for hanging out and listening to me ramble a little bit. Please continue to uh, listen to and share these conversations with friends and family. Find, follow, and interact with Real Ramblin' on social media. Keep watching, talking about, and loving movies, and I will see you next time.